Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Monday, April 8th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, and episode 309 featuring Celtics radio broadcaster Sean Grandy is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Get a 50% bonus on your first deposit by going to BetOnline.ag slash CelticsBeat and using the promo code CLNS50 at checkout. Today's show also brought to you in part by Robinhood. Robinhood's giving listeners a free stock to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at Celtics.RobinHood.com. All right, let's jump in. Welcome back. Good to be back with you. Thanks to Evan Valenti for filling in the last couple of weeks while I was off at Disney World. It it truly was a magical time. But you know what? So are the playoffs. And there's one game left in the NBA's regular season for the Celtics. Tuesday in Washington. Doesn't matter one little bit. Brad Stevens has already said his starters won't play much, if at all, following Sunday's kind of... I don't know, I'm not going to say crushing, but certainly injury-plagued loss to the Magic. The Seas are locked into the fourth seed in a first-round matchup with the Pacers, which, by the way, I think is a good thing. Put off the Raptors until the conference finals if the Celts can get there and the Raps are still around. I know the Bucks; they have the best record in the league. They're very, very good. They're That's underselling them. They're great. There's still a better matchup. We saw that last year without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, and some guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo were playing at another level. Again, well aware of this, but I, I just, I, I'm not saying the Celtics would beat the Bucks, but I like that matchup better than I do that of the Raptors. And Irving, Hayward, they are both healthy. Of course, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, they're banged up. Tad injury to insult with that defeat to Orlando. But we'll get to all that. Preview the first round series with the Pacers that starts at the Garden this weekend. Take your Twitter questions if we have time and a whole lot more. All right, let's waste no time. Let's bring in Celtics radio play-by-play man, Sean Grandy. Sean, how you been? Been a while. It has been a while, although, you know, for me, I'm currently reading my son, The Chronicles of Narnia. We're about halfway through it. And for those that are not familiar with it, it's basically about a a fantasy land that these kids tumble into. You know, I won't do spoiler alerts or anything. But (laughs) when they cross back and forth, no time has passed. So if they come back into, like, you know, to Earth – uh, you know, into a, like a regular human world. It doesn't matter if they've been gone for years. No time has passed. The NBA season is like one long day. So That's true. It really, you don't, you know, there's no days of the week. There's no, it's just, it's a plane to a hotel, to a game, to home, to do laundry, to whatever. So it's one long, 
day. So basically, in some ways, it feels like I've been gone for years, and in other ways, it's like October was, you know, yesterday. Yeah, complete and utter blur all the time. As you know, yeah. we all know who follows this team, and you're much closer to it, obviously, than uh, the vast majority of the rest of us. But you know, one thing that you do get to do that I know we're all jealous of, you get to spend a, a whole lot of quality time with Cedric Maxwell, and we got yeah. we got a ton to cover in this show, and we'll do it, but. I do want to begin with this because I had your partner on the show last month. I asked him for a funny story that not a lot of people have heard, and this is what he said. When the Celtics won the championship, um, and it was the 08. Or yeah, 08. I had a buddy of mine who had went out and was hanging out with some, uh, hanging out at a, at, a, at a place he was partying, and he sees this woman, and he she was like, um, had Celtic paraphernalia on. So he looks at her and he said, hey, you love the Celtics? She said, I love the Celtics. She said, oh, he said, man, she said, you know, my best friend, one of my best friends is Cedric Maxwell. And she said, oh, my God, she said, I love the Celtics. And I used to love Cedric Maxwell. I don't like him anymore. <laughs> she said, you don't like him anymore. She's like, oh, why? And the woman says, he's gay. <laughs> and my buddy said, he's not gay. She said, no, yes, he is gay. I saw him on, he said, why, why do you say that? I saw him on Phantom Gourmet, and he said him and his partner went out to have something to eat. I was talking about Sean Grandy. <laughs> <laughs> so I can leave you with that one. I can't that, think of know, a better I way to end the gay, show. But I might be gay, but Sean Grandy is not going to be my type. Okay, I can tell you that. Your response, sir? I'm hurt that I'm not his type. Yeah, well, that's yeah, what yeah, I said to him. I said uh, he might like you. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd hate to. I'd, I'd point out if on the on the other side of that coin, I'd point out that him and I are the longest relationship either one of us has ever had. <laughs> That's fair. So, in you know, in in full disclosure and 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 fairness, um, you know, we've had like had each other's. Phone. I think with my phone number maybe I've had since 1998. My cell phone number, but okay. other than that, yeah, it's pretty much been. Uh, it's it's funny because he stole that story for so many years. It's such a you realize as time changes, that story becomes. Le- it's not the story. It's like the person in it, the woman in it. It's a lot less PC than it used to be. Oh, I can only like imagine. Stories go by from from time to time. He, he tells a you know a very funny story, which I won't go into now, about a woman saying something to him at Whole Foods, which was very sort of innocent and probably just a random white person in Whole Foods kind of story. Uh, very innocent about something that this woman said to him. But even now you have to be so, which is really, again, not, it's a longer podcast conversation about just the time that he and I have been together. And especially the way, not so much we talk, you know, extemporaneously, you know, I'll cover issues, but the way Max talks, he has to be, it's a different game now than, than it used to be as far as things you can say because of how they're not because of what they mean, but how they're, how they're interpreted. You know, it comes up the whole, it's funny, we had, when we passed the 10th anniversary of the Violet Palmer thing mm. a couple of years ago. And you realize now, on the one hand, it sort of would have been a bigger, it would have been a bigger thing than it was, given social media, given everybody looking for his crazy stories and whatever. Sure. On the other hand, people actually would have paid attention to what it was, and they would have played the tape, and they would have, and it wouldn't have been nearly the same thing, because everyone but it, it was back in 2007. It was more like a rumor. Did he really say that? And how did he say it? And what did it mean? Whereas now, everyone would have had the tape 10 seconds later. Yeah, immediately. Everyone would have been running it on Twitter, and they would have said, oh, he was making fun of Tommy and whatever. And it would have been a So you realize everything, for better or worse, regardless, is would be viewed through a different prism now in the, you know, in the things that you say. 
All right, well, let's get to some of the important stuff as it relates to this team. The playoffs, they're just about here. I mean, effectively, they are because, you know, as we know, the, the last game doesn't mean anything. So this year... Don't tell it to TNT. They just, they, it's going to be one of those <laughs> players-only telecasts. Oh, that, that'll be... study up on P.J. Dozier and R.J. Hunter. Yeah, that'll be excruciating. Um, what is this? What year is this now for you broadcasting these games with this team? This is uh, 21 in the league and 18 with... The Boston Celtics. I've been very fortunate because I happened to come at the end of Sunday night. Uh, Orlando ended a playoff drought. They hadn't been in the playoffs in seven years. Right. And they clinched in Boston. And my first year here, we had a game at TD Garden. The Celtics beat the Lakers to clinch their first playoff spot in seven years. So it's funny how things go. But the Celtics, in the time I've been here, in the 18 years, you don't think of it this way. This is the 15th year. They've made the playoffs. The Spurs are the only team, because they've been in every year, the Spurs are the only team that have been to the playoffs more than the Celtics in the 18 years I've been there. So I'm glad you said that, because I was going to ask you. So 15 out of 18. Now, most people obviously don't feel as strongly about Boston going into the postseason as they did back in training camp when fans and players alike were buying into everything that was said or written about this team, and it was just a it was a foregone conclusion they were going to reach the NBA Finals. But how would you compare how you feel about this team entering the playoffs as compared to maybe some other years? Well, I think, you know, you, for the most part, it's a different question than it was two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Or maybe it's hard to say now because they're too close to it where we're going to draw the, first of all, it depends on what happens, where we draw the dividing line as to when the season started to turn a little bit. Because they did have some games they kicked away at the end. But are we going to talk about, you know, the game at Golden State maybe? As, it's funny because, you know, as we talked, they haven't played the Washington game yet. If the Celtics win in Washington, they'll have you – can, you can picture how this tweet is going to look already, having, you know, been <laughs> obsessed with my Twitter account and who I follow and following it as diligently as you do. That's true. There is a, uh, a symmetry in a season that has been remarkably up and down and unstable. If the Celtics win in Washington on Tuesday night, their record for the season, it will start 10-10. and 10. It will end 14 and 14, hmm. and with 25 and 9 in the middle. Which, if you're a hardcore Celtics historian, you realize there's an extraordinary, there's a similarity there to 2010, except they, the, where they were dominant was in the first third of the year, as opposed to the middle one. But there was a, a dominant third of the season in which they were the, as good as anybody in the NBA, if not the best team, and then they were a 500 team the rest of the year. And that's exactly the way this team is playing out, where they were the dominant team, the best team in the league in the middle third of the year, playing 500 around it. And we know, obviously, the 2010 team got had a double-digit lead in Game 7 of the, of the NBA Finals. I think the Celtics are what we expect them to be going in. They're the dangerous wild card. One of the real discussion topics that Max and I were talking about on Sunday, because it's a discussion topic, so talking about is what you do, that isn't it amazing that the Celtics spent the entire year Chasing, you know, Milwaukee was always going to be too far to catch. But mm-hmm. everyone was had angst about catching Philadelphia and Toronto, right? Are they going to catch Philadelphia? Are they going to catch Toronto? Two seed, three seed? Are they going to catch those teams? And obviously they fell short and didn't do it. And the irony is, the way it all plays out, Indiana is the team you'd want to, you know, Philadelphia and Toronto have a much tougher first round the way it's looking right now with Orlando and Brooklyn playing as well as they're playing. And if you could pick a team, we don't know as we're talking, we don't know who that eighth team is going to be. But if you could pick one to play in the first round, you're probably picking Indiana. So, and then going into the second round, you're going to have to play tough. You know, you're going to have to beat Milwaukee and Toronto to get to the finals anyway. So, uh, I think that you have to feel 
that the Celtics are, it's going to be very difficult to beat Milwaukee and Toronto on the road. But to do that, uh, the Celtics have the, at least with a healthy Kyrie Irving. Remember, they didn't win anything on the road last year. They won one road mm-hmm. game last year, and that was in, in overtime. You know, in Philadelphia, if Bellinelli doesn't have his toe on the line, <laughs> the Celtics don't win a road game in the playoffs last year, whereas we've known all along this year that we're going to have to do it. And a healthy Celtics team with a healthy Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward playing as well as he's played all year, they certainly are going to have a puncher's chance. And I'll, I know this is a long answer, but I'll put it this way. This was a year defined to me by how everyone was so in love with this team in October, in love with this team. They were so ready to go berserk at the start of the year, a crazy head over heels in love with this team. By yep. the middle of the year, towards the end, you know, you were in the garden. It was a feeling of, you know, uh, sitting on your hands, show me. We've been burned a lot by this team and not a good feeling about it. And yet, if the Celtics, even us assuming they're going to beat Indiana, they go to Milwaukee and they get one of those first two games, when you come back to Boston for game three in a 1-1 series, if that happens, everything will be completely forgotten. It yeah. is going to be absolutely insane on that night. All the bad feelings, all the bad nights, all of that will go away if the Celtics can obviously beat Indiana and then steal one of those first two. Let's take a quick break to tell you today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. Lots of good NBA games coming up this week to throw some money on. Not too many left with the regular season almost over. The Celtics are in Washington, as you know, on Tuesday. You could bet on the C's money line. The Celts plus 1,200 to win the NBA title as well. Just something to think about, a little forward thinking. Not a bad bet if you're a diehard fan looking to make some money during the postseason. Go to clnsmedia.com slash Celticsbeat to get a 50% bonus when you sign up and use the promo code CLNS50. Don't be left on the sideline with all this excitement going on in the court. Plus, you can play in BetOnline's virtual casino and make some money there, too. Plus, you always have futures bets you can play. MLB season's in full swing. Let's not talk about the Red Sox at the moment. And NFL futures already out as well. Whatever you do, make sure you use betonline.ag and use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit or just go to clnsmedia.com slash Celticsbeat. Let's get back to Sean. Well, and to that point, and, and you skip the this team is totally detestable stage that existed throughout yeah, a, a I, fair chunk I, of the season I, I as well. But more in my timeline, I hate this team. I don't like yeah. this team. I get it, but we don't know what this team's story is yet. If they have a flame out in the next couple of weeks and they lose to Indiana, yeah, it will, it will go down as one of the least liked teams. Obviously, I think that for better or worse, the love affair with this team has a lot to do with the on-court, off-court year that Kyrie had, certainly, if you trace <laughs> – you know, I mean, because you had the, the all-time high of people being in love with this team in the preseason, and then Kyrie says, I'm staying. Right. And obviously the, the year just took turns. But, you know, I, I was a person – obviously I didn't think they would win 49 or 48 games or whatever it turns out to be. But I certainly was not a 60-win person like a lot of people were. I thought the number would be similar to last year, mm-hmm. probably with a better scoring differential, which it turns out they had, even with all the extra losses. Because I knew, you know, you're, all the problems, to, to me, the, the 14 and 4, whatever it turns out to be, the last third of the season is what surprised me, not the first third. You know, all those, the, the bad losses that happened in March, or, you know, from February into March, whatever, that is really the only part of the season that surprised me. That, to me, was the difference between the 48, 49 wins and, and the 55. Based on all of that, I think I know how you'll answer this question anyway, and, of course, based on how closely I follow you, as you noted, if you're a betting man... Does this team have a better chance of losing in the first round of the playoffs or reaching the NBA Finals? Ooh, 
That's I would say. I'd say the odds of both are are remote. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would say that you know mathematically and all the the Nate Silver projections and the BPI stuff and the stuff that I I love it all. I understand the math based on it, but this is a Celtic success or failure this year is not math based. It's completely emotional, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and just and issues that you can't project with a computer. I would say the numbers now for the Celtics are what probably less than ten percent to get to the finals, which certainly is more than fair given the road they have to have. Um, I, I think those numbers are very close. I really do not expect. I, I'm a big fan of Nate McMillan. I love. Sabonis, Miles Turner is a really good defensive player. They're physical. Their game lends itself to the playoffs because they play physical. But when you just look and you take the snapshot, the, the, the Pacers had a similar – they're similar in some ways to the 2013 Celtics, that last run of the – they weren't the big three anymore because Ray Allen was gone, but it was the, you know the Rondo and Jason Terry, that 2013 team, which was more of a, a basketball museum mm-hmm. uh, team. It's like, hey, come see <laughs> Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce in their, you know, in their natural state for one last run. They lose Rondo, and they actually played better for a while. They stayed afloat, and they won a lot of games, and there's a lot of reasons for that too. That's old. Rondo's a whole separate podcast. But the reality of not having Rondo – and not having Ray Allen, and eventually that caught up to them. And you knew when they got to the playoffs, you know, against Raymond Felton and that Knicks team that was pretty good, you know, reality is going to settle in here. And I think that's what's happened with Indiana. And I think it's just the Pacers are not playing well right now. So I would be, even with all the issues the Celtics have had, it would be pretty surprising to me to that if Indiana were to win. Like I said, if you were to pick a team – you know, all right, pick your opponent in the playoffs. Remember last year, by the way, and this happened, Milwaukee got burned last year. Remember Milwaukee said, we want to play Boston, Chris yeah. Middleton, and a couple of guys. And you know what? I appreciated Middleton saying that. I, to me, that wasn't a bulletin board thing. That was someone being honest for once mm-hmm. because the Celtics didn't have Kyrie Irving. Marcus Smart got hurt. Daniel Tice got hurt. Of course you'd want to play. If you are Milwaukee last year, of course you would have wanted to play Boston if you had to play a top four. And right now, Indiana's banged up. You know, Collison's situation's kind of up in the air. It's a tough place to play, Indiana, on the road. Um, but there certainly is a, you know, this is the Celtics are playing as well as they've played since the middle of the year. Maybe you could argue in some ways better as far as the pieces fitting together. I'd be surprised on both. I think Indiana would have the same puncher's chance that the Celtics would have of beating. I think the Celtics can beat Milwaukee. I think they can beat Toronto to do it both back-to-back on the road. That would be an accomplishment that would certainly match what I thought was the best six-game run I've seen now that we've covered it's been 18 years and I'm old. (laughs) Uh, The best six-game run, do you know what I'm going to say, for the Celtics in this 18 years I've been here, the last three games against Cleveland and the first three games in Orlando Mm. in 2010. Rondo was a big part of that. But that six-game stretch right there, to me – is as well as they play. That's the most amazing. It's going to take something like that. You're going to have to have a repeat of that. Although if I'm Toronto right now, I'm thinking more about please don't have Orlando land in the seventh spot because that's a bad, that's a bad matchup, and you've got all the ghosts. If Orlando ever gets one of those first two games up there, especially the first game, ooh, that, that could be a ugly situation. Well, we've seen a number of Celtics teams during that new Big Three era especially fall short on account of injury. Now, Brad has said a number of times, really this applies to any team, but still he has highlighted it. The most important thing for his team going into the playoffs 
is health. And, you know, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart both banged up. And unfortunately, in what was a generally meaningless game, they do have about a week to rest. So that's good. Jalen Brown, he's back, looked good from uh, his return after a three-game absence. But he's he's not 100%, not like anybody is right now. But in particular, Smart, we know what a difference maker he is. We've seen it. We saw it in the playoffs last year. We see it all the time, especially this year in the regular season. And now that he can shoot, that's a whole other level. There were initial reports of an oblique strain, and then Brad said bruise. Either way, as as we sit here and chat right now, are you concerned? I think you have to be, especially just had that Sunday night had a very bizarre feel because – the Celtics are playing great. They're coming off this. They destroy Indiana. Big, they, then they clinch home court because Indiana loses. And all of a sudden, you had an awkward feel. The first thing I asked Brad on Sunday when we first talked, and it was more of an off-the-air question, we were just talking about I was trying to get a feel for what his plan was if Indiana had lost. Because no one was really anticipating that. You don't think at the start of a day, wait a minute, Indiana's playing at 5 o'clock, and the Celtics are playing at 7.30. And then when that happens – all of a sudden you realize, okay, now this game is meaningless. Do you want to change? And I think the approach going in was he wanted to play that game out as if both teams were playing at the same time. And then you realize a quarter into it, geez, all of a sudden everybody's out there and you, this is a completely meaningless game. And then Tatum gets hurt. And you're like, man, we should get everybody to the point where I remember saying, I remember saying with when they were down 14 in the fourth quarter that, maybe it's time to get everybody out. Yeah, and then eventually bubble Kyrie wrap. came back in, Al Horford didn't. But it, that was sort of the feeling was, you know, I, I'm not – it was a weird feeling that you you start going in with a mindset of this is an important game, let's win it and clinch home court. And you realize very early in the game, um, this is now suddenly a meaningless game, which it wasn't for Orlando. And you just don't want bad things to happen. I think you're concerned because look at that, how that Milwaukee series was going until Marcus Smart came back last mm-hmm. year. Well, once the playoffs do start, let's let's just for the sake of argument presume health. How do you, how deep do you expect him to go with his rotations, or is it maybe matchup dependent? Because I, just it, looking at the roster, he almost has to go at least nine deep, doesn't he? Yeah, I think yeah, I think he will. I think it is matchup dependent. I think, and uh, you know, Aaron Baines is going to be really important. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. Maybe more important against Indiana than he would be against Milwaukee. And just to finish that thought, by the way, I'm going to the finals. I have used you've seen it too because you're on social media. You're talking to fans. You get the feeling. If you ask ten Celtic fans about which seed they wanted, you know, three or four, yeah, you know that probably all ten would say the four seed, right? And everybody is answering the same question. They're like, oh well, yeah, we want Milwaukee in the second round. And my thought has been, do you really have you seen Milwaukee play this year? I know they're a little banged up right now, but eventually they're going to get Brogdon back and. Certainly by the second round, they're likely to get Brogdon back. And the, the point is, I don't think people are really understanding how good Milwaukee is, how historically good their season has been. And all the things I hear said about Milwaukee are the same things I heard said about Golden State in 2015 when they had the great regular season, but nobody believed in them in the playoffs because they hadn't seen it yet. And you know, they got the best player in the league right now. And I just think this idea, be careful what you wish for, that the Celtics have struggled in Toronto. The other side of that coin is that they're due to win a game in Toronto. You know, one of my favorite stats is that Brad Stevens has the same number of wins in the U.K. and in Mexico that he does in Canada <laughs> in, the, in the six years. But I just, it's not that I'm not, you know, I think Toronto has some issues. I think Philadelphia obviously has some issues. Milwaukee has some banged up guys. I don't think they have issues as a team. And I think that 
uh, people are just assuming, well, uh, let's get Milwaukee as opposed to Toronto. And my thought is, you know, be careful what you wish for. Well, Celtics took three of four. Obviously, they they need to face the Pacers first. They took three of four from Indiana during the regular season, including a pair in the last couple of weeks. Gordon Hayward just uh, shared his thoughts on facing his hometown team. Yeah, they're a tough opponent, especially they they play really well at home, lose the ball, physical on defense. You know, they they cause turnovers, so we have to take care of the basketball and and make sure we get good shots, and it'll be a good series. I'm excited for it. It's good that we got a chance to, to kind of see what they're about get ourselves ready a little bit with what they like to do you know i know they're going to be different though than the last two times we played them definitely going to play better than last time and it'll be a tough series so we got to be ready you can always find Cells locker room sound on the clns youtube page make sure you subscribe there but sean what should the team take from those two meetings in in the last well as right now we chat i think 10 days into this first round series i think the number one thing is the the physical element and the way they play and that remember I thought the game on Friday night was officiated like a playoff game. And I think the Celtics were getting pushed around. And when that game was close, once the Celtics stopped getting pushed around, you saw the difference between how these two teams are playing right now. And there was a huge separation between them. But they got, they got bullied a little bit early. And there were some, you know, like looking over at the officials, like, are you going to make that call? Are you not? And you know in the playoffs it's going to lean, lean in the other direction. So I think the Celtics have to answer that. As I said, I think Aaron Baines is going to be really important. And as far as he has been, um, you know, the Celtics this year, when Aaron Baines, you know, when he plays less than 15 minutes, they're under 500 mm-hmm. this year. So those numbers, I think, are going to are going to play out. I think that uh, where Indiana, obviously, well, here's, you know, no brainer 101 without Victor Oladipo, blah, blah, blah. But especially <laughs> in the playoffs, if you don't have that guy that can score 10 points in a row, and can get you a shot, create his own offense and get you a shot. Of course, we were saying this about the Celtics last year, and then Jason Tatum ended up, you know, doing some of that. But if you can't, you don't have that guy, it's really difficult when you're playing the same team over and over and over again. And listen, the Pacers have surprised everybody in the second half of the year, and maybe they surprise people and make this a really tough, long, competitive series. But I'll say two things: if that happens, I don't expect it to happen. Is number one, number two. If it does happen, then. That, to me, is the indicator about what would happen next because I don't think the Celtics can play a seven-game series here as they did last year, survive in the final two minutes of a gritty, tough, physical, long seven-game series and then think that they're going to go on Milwaukee and Toronto. I think this has to be a what the last two weeks have been. I think this needs to be a get-your-mojo-back, you know, five-game type series win if the Celtics are going to do anything. I think this series will indicate whether the Celtics are really a threat you know, to pull off these upsets in the East. One last break to tell you today's program also brought to you by Robinhood. Robinhood's an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, cryptos, all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started. You can just start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. That's it. You can also view stock collections such as the 100 most popular, if that's something you're into. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio. Discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Celtics Beat a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build that portfolio. So sign up at Celtics.RobinHood.com. 
Let's get back to the show. Well, Hayward seems to have his mojo back, or like Stella, got his groove back either way. But coming back from this concussion, over his last eight games, he's scored in double figures in all of them, which I know is kind of a, a pedestrian achievement by what you would expect from him. But still, it's the first time he's done that in a Boston uniform. He's averaging 16.5 points, nearly 60% shooting along the way. He's not Utah Hayward, so let's not be foolish. There's all that, is he back, is he back? To me, he's not back, but he is confident, he's aggressive, he's explosive, what percentage of that all-star do you believe he is right now going into the playoffs? I think he's a different player. And again, what, what you said about him not being back or is that that's what everybody was asking him. And it's like back to what? Because the, the Utah Hayward isn't what you're looking for. He has to be a different player. He was, you know, completely ball dominant when right. he was in Utah. And that's not going to be the case here. But again, I, I fall back to the same thing about getting Indiana in the first round. And again, maybe that's be careful what you wish for, but there was a scenario by which what did you want to see from the Celtics in the last couple of weeks? You want to see Mark, Marcus Morris start and hit some shots again. That happened a little bit, uh, you know, towards the end of the year. And But number one on the top of that list, and Max loves this one because it was something I said at the trade deadline when the Celtics didn't make a move. I said the Celtics uh, were – the Celtics at the trade deadline, the best move they can make, they had the chance to make a better move than anybody else in the league. You know, Toronto got Marcus Gasol and – Indiana got Wes Matthews, and teams got better. They got guys. You know the Celtics, the biggest move they can make? Get Gordon Hayward. And they did. So the Celtics probably added the biggest talent when you think about it, you know, when with a healthy Gordon Hayward. Okay, so we talked about Hayward's eight-game run. During Al Horford's last eight, though, which have not been the same eight games, he's rested for a few, he's averaging about 19 points, seven rebounds, five assists. His shooting splits are ridiculous, 58-46-90. He's been incredibly efficient all year. Looks like playoff Al, as as the cliche goes, just in time. What's led to him getting so locked in? Because for a good chunk of the season, he did not look like himself. He was clearly bothered by that knee. And, and somewhere along the line, as, as the saying has gone for this team, he has flipped a switch. I think he, obviously, number one, as you said, he wasn't healthy. And that makes a big difference. In the end, we talk about this all the time. The other night when Terry Rozier was sick. Like, imagine when you go to work feeling sick. Right, and you're not quite yourself. Now imagine doing that, and you're trying to guard an NBA point guard or something. I mean, it's a big difference when a player goes from 100% health to, to 90 or 80% health. But I also think Al was managing his not so much his game and his effort, but his body. You know, so he could be in this physical shape going into the playoffs. Like the, all this stuff that we talk about, when you lose game 31 and it's a bad loss, and you're like, oh, Al Horford didn't play in that game, and he, he rested, and the Celtics needed they needed to win because they're not playing well right now. There's a reason a lot of these games were strategic rest and whatever, and Al was the, the primary guy. He, Al is the perfect example of a player who is just far more efficient now playing 65 to 70 games than, than 82. Boston's won five out of seven since that four-game skid, and like you said earlier, you can kind of put the line of demarcation wherever you want. I think some of the players more recently would put it there because Horford pointed to a focus, a sense of urgency to kind of get them where they are, and, and now they have a little bit of time to prepare for Indiana. But also helps that Kyrie Irving really hasn't had a stinker since that late February loss in Toronto. Now he's getting ready for his, his first playoff run with the Celtics after having to watch last year. He had a few in Cleveland, won a title with the Cavs, as we know, hit arguably the biggest shot in NBA Finals history. Celtics, though, as a team, and you mentioned this earlier, they've largely gone as Kyrie's mood has gone. And so, fortunately, seems about as happy as he's been all year. He's not afraid of the spotlight, but is he prepared to lead this team now? Well, I, what I love the most is that Kyrie has set the bar for himself 
You know, he spent the entire year talking about leadership, talking about how he can score when he wants to, and talking about being focused on the playoffs. And I like a guy who's challenged. You know, he hasn't shied away from that. He's kind of set the set the bar for himself very high. And generally speaking, the harder things are for Kyrie, he's a guy who runs faster uphill, if you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. he, when the tougher it gets, the better he has been. And Again, the number that I'd like to use is that great example of that home road thing. Why the Celtics, what gives them the puncher's chance to pull this off somehow and win these series on the road is that with when Kyrie Irving doesn't play last year, we saw the Celtics can win at home and they can't win on the road. When Kyrie does play, the record is almost identical at home and on the road. It's irrelevant, he, you know, he, which doesn't make any sense in the NBA when home teams win – what, nearly 70% of the games, but the Celtics are the same home team that they are a road team because Kyrie is unaffected. You know, when you think about hitting that biggest shot, well, it was one shot, it was one shot. Yeah, it was a one shot on the road in Game 7 of the NBA Finals because it doesn't matter to Kyrie. And that's what, for the Celtics to do what we're talking about them possibly doing, there are going to be some, you know, Kyrie is going to add to his legacy significantly here because he's going to have to have some vintage moments, particularly on the road. You've said you expect the Celtics to win the series. I agree with you. Prediction. What are you looking at? How many games? Yeah, I mean, I, I think to me it's more uh, the way – I think the smart smart money right now is that the Celtics show them they can win and win easily at Indiana. They haven't been great at home this year. So I think may, I think game one might be the most important one in some ways. If the Celtics get game one, I, I think this is going to be a short series. I'm not, I'm not a big – this will happen in five and this will happen in six. Mm-hmm. I think if, I, if you're forcing me up against a wall, I think the, the safest play probably is Celtics in five. Um, I would not be surprised if, if the Pacers make it a long series and they're very capable of doing it. I think that will tell you, as I said, what you want to know or maybe what you didn't want to know about the Celtics. That if, if this goes seven, it's going to be very difficult for the Celtics going forward. I will not be – I would hardly be shocked beyond shock if the Celtics sweep this series. And that just has to do with the Pacers. It's about that third game there. And if the Celtics find a way in that third game, that reality sets in that Indiana had a great, they were putting a great year together. You know, their, their best player got hurt. And again, going back to the Celtics without Rondo in 2013, that as impressive as the wins they put together in the regular season are, to win in the playoffs without Oladipo is going to be very difficult. Yeah, I hope you're right with five. I would have thought the uh, the safe play for most people, and we'll see what all the expert predictions are when, when those start to come out during the week. I would have thought most people would say Celtics in six maybe would be the most common safe play. But yeah. uh, And, I, you know, that generally is. People always go with the be safer and go to the middle, but then yeah. something happens in a series and, you know, it, it, it goes the other way. I, as I said, here's what I'll tell you. Here's, here's what I predict. The Celtics will win this series, and then you're going to have people irrationally optimistic about <laughs> Milwaukee. They're going to sweep them. They're, they're going to, oh, the Celtics are rolling now. They got it back. They're going to go to Milwaukee and win those first. Well, just and wait. Like if said, the, Celtics the Celtics win in five. Celtics Milwaukee in a seven-game series, but nobody is understanding. And listen, they beat the, in 2010, the year we're comparing this to, right? Yeah. They beat the best team in the second round, and that was LeBron with – Many crazy things going on off the court with that Cavs team, and there was a lot of issues, and the Celtics found a way to beat, you know, that, that was the best player in the world at that time. They're going to face the best player in the world at this time in the second round. And again, LeBron 2010 is, is better, certainly, than Giannis in 2019, but th- that team is playing remarkably well together. And yes, they haven't done it. And yes, the Celtics could put pressure on them. And yes, the Celtics can beat Milwaukee in a seven-game series. But this idea of, like, bring on Milwaukee, let's get the Bucks, bring them on, is 
you're not paying attention. No, your roadmap to irrational optimism, I'll, I'll draw it up for you now. It's the Celtics winning in five with a couple yep. of blowouts, one yep. comfortable win, one tight win, and a narrow loss. And then the Bucks being forced to go to six games, and most of them are close. Right. Then then you'll have the Celtics fans, in, and less so national media probably, except for headlines and, and talk shows, but... You, that, at that point, you'll have the Celtics fans in full force. That They beat the Bucks last year without Irving, without Hayward. They're going to do it again now exactly. that they're healthy. Exactly. And obviously the biggest, you know, the Celtics are a completely different day from last year. The Bucks certainly are. From the head coach to the best player getting better to the role players to Brooke Lope to Splash Mountain hitting threes now when he didn't take one the first nine years he was in the league. I mean, all of this stuff is... I'm not saying you can't beat Milwaukee. I'm saying that I, I am of the stance here. If you want your hot take, here's the here's the hot take. To me. Sure, I'm we not need a headline. You Milwaukee's going to win the championship, but I would not. I would not be betting the house against Milwaukee winning the whole thing. That's how strongly I feel about them. They could lose to the Celtics in the second round. Of course they could, but it would not be shocking to me that this group at the top of the league has been Milwaukee, Golden State, Toronto all year. Obviously, Houston's in that conversation now, but you know, and I think Boston is that spoiler. On the on the outside of those three, but those three teams have been the best teams all year, and the Celtics are the one that could make noise. If it's not going to be one of those three, it's because Boston maybe or, or four, if you include Houston. If a fifth team is going to get in there, it would be the Celtics. But have no illusions that in a year in which we talk about the Celtics all the time, Toronto's had this great year, and everyone's afraid of them. Golden State's the defending champs, who everyone thinks is going to win. Houston is considered the team that has the best chance to knock them off. In the year with all those things happening, Milwaukee has been the clear-cut best team start to finish. Sean, I could subject you to a couple of Twitter questions, or I could let you call it a day as uh, an expression that will also make me sound old that most people will not get of a certain generation. It's your dime. Well, why don't, why don't we say, why don't we do this again in a couple of weeks and see if we're right? I look forward to it. Let's do that. We'll take some questions then, and uh, in the meantime, we'll enjoy listening to the call. All right, my friend. Sean Grandy, radio voice of the Celtics across the Celtics radio network, always enjoyable. And, uh, boy, had been a while since he'd been on the show. I think going back to early season, maybe even the summertime, I'm not sure. But we will do it again and maybe even a couple of weeks and dissect this matchup with the Pacers and hopefully look ahead or you know start to paint a uh, miserable eulogy for this team. But I want to tell you, today's show brought to you by betonline.ag. Get a 50% bonus on your first deposit by going to betonline.ag slash Celticsbeat and use the promo code CLNS50 at checkout. Today's show also brought to you in part by Robinhood. Robinhood's giving listeners a free stock to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at celtics.robinhood.com. I already told you my prediction for this series when it begins Saturday or Sunday, whichever one it is, Celtics in six. Sean says Celtics in five. I say Celtics in six. Bottom line is we just hope the Celtics win no matter how many games it takes. But get it over with quicker, of course. That's better for rest going into the next round and all the different things that I could ramble on about that, you know, you know. You're not an idiot. Thanks again to Sean, to my producer, Evan Valenti, and thanks especially to him for filling in the last couple of weeks while I was on vacation. I I was often in uh, the happiest place on earth. At least that's what my T-shirt said. And they took all my money at Disney. So uh, can't wait to do it again. Thanks to Nick, to Larry, to John, everyone else at CLNS Media. Most of all, you. We welcome your feedback. You can get me on Twitter, at Adam M. Kaufman. We will talk plenty between now and the end of this postseason run and then get into the summer and draft and free agency and all that. But hopefully that is 
a ways away from having to uh, detail any of that stuff. I know some of you are obsessed with the draft pick watch. I don't even care about it right now. I, I really don't. It is not on my radar. The playoffs, we've been talking about the playoffs all year. Will they flip a switch? Well, now we're about to find out once we get through one truly meaningless regular season game that few guys are going to play in. Although I wouldn't be shocked if Gordon Hayward plays just to continue to build confidence, get another 20-point game under his belt, and uh, just stay loose. Lest they fear injury, in which case he's not going to go near the game, won't even travel. So either way, we'll find out. Subscribe to Celtics Beat on iTunes. Subscribe to CLNS on YouTube as well for a lot of great sound and content there. And maybe, just maybe, a little bit of Geno time at the Garden on the horizon. I hope so. Talk to you next time. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.